good to be with you this morning. If you have a copy of God's word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, we're looking at verses 19 through 14. And our outline looks like this, uh, three main points. Uh, let us develop strong hearts. Let us bear uh, the reproach of Jesus. Uh, let us be heavenly minded. And these are the thoughts, the main thoughts that we'll find in our verse range, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 9 through 14. So if you have a copy of God's word, I hope you have it open. And let us look at uh, God's word uh, here this morning and give heed to it because it is the word of God. It's not the word of man, but it's the word of our holy God. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 9 through 14. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest uh, as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. May God bless his holy word. <clears throat> we learned last week that Jesus Christ is unchanging, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it seems like if you look quickly at that verse, it looks like it's out of place. Remember the previous verse, the author was talking about imitating the faith of the leaders that had gone uh, before, uh, the leaders of the past. He said, consider the in verse 7, he said, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And here it is, verse 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It seems as if that verse is, is a, 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 a different thought. The, the author is getting ready to pick up a different thought that he has been uh, previously uh, getting across to these believers. But what the author is doing, he's making us think. He's making us think, how is it? How is it that Jesus Christ and who he is, who he has always been, what he has accomplished on the cross for us, 
how it is that Jesus Christ and his work on the cross has something to do with the faith of the leaders and the way that they lived their life in the past. It had everything to do with how they lived their lives. This is what the author has been doing is raising up and and setting before us the sufficiency and the preeminence of Christ, uh, who he is, his priestly work, his atoning work, and the promises that we have in the new covenant that he brings, that they are constant, they're sufficient, and they're just as relevant for us today as it was with them. Because Jesus Christ never changed. He never changed. Uh, today, I don't know if you know, it's all the songs that we uh, were singing were centered upon Christ. This is the way we are to live our lives. Everything that we do, every thought that we think should start with Christ and the grace that we have in him. It should start with him. Because if not, if, if it doesn't start with Christ, we'll find in our lives that we will lack the desire for the things of God. The things that are freely given to us in Christ. We'll lack joy. We'll crumble easily under the circumstances. And we'll give ourselves over to grumbling and complaining. Yeah, you can believe the gospel. You can believe in Christ and the gospel. But if you take your focus off of Christ, if who he is, if who he is does not bear upon everything else that you do in your life, if the weight of, of who he is and his majesty, if the weight and, 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 and the, the, the work that he accomplished on the cross, if that does not bear upon everything, upon every thought, every deed, every behavior, your, those things will begin to operate on their own. And you will find that you will be discouraged because you're trying to do the work of God apart from the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You begin to drift from him. And who he is will have little influence. Remember what we read about Wednesday night, uh, Jerry Bridges' statement about living life on cruise control. That's what happens. You live, we began to live our lives on cruise control we began to live as if everything depended upon us rather than upon Christ. When Christ has little influence in our lives, when his, the greatness of what he has accomplished has little influence, the means of grace like worship, like prayer, fellowship, and the study of the word of God will not be a priority. And the blessings and the privileges that we have in Christ, listen, will become more important to us 
than Christ himself. Who is the foundation of all the good that we receive from God's hand. Everything that we receive from God is because of Jesus Christ. The fact that we're fellowshipping here, we fellowship because of what Christ and who Christ is and what he has done. But we can begin to shift in our orientation and, be fo and begin to focus our attention upon other things. These are good things. They could be good things, but our attention could be focused upon those things rather than Christ. We begin to do things simply because this is what I'm supposed to do. We'll serve others and love others. Well, this is what the Bible tells me to do. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But when you do it just because you're this is what you're supposed to do and and not because you're being compelled, you're being motivated by who Christ is and his love for you. That is when the problem in our lives began to happen. The flesh and the enemy of our faith all the flesh and the enemy of our faith is need is just one wrong move in our lives. Think about Peter. The Holy Spirit revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Christ. And in that next moment, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're not concerned about the things of God. You're concerned about the things of man. Here it is, a man who have by by God uh, work through the Holy Spirit, proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ. And in the very next minute, he was focused on the things of man. This is why the knowledge of Christ should pervade everything that we do in life. Peter fell apart when a little girl asked him, did he know Christ? He fell, his, his, he couldn't handle answering whether he knew Christ because the orientation of his life was not Christ. It wasn't fixed upon Christ. It wasn't steady upon Christ and his work upon the cross. And the, these Hebrew believers, they were tempted to return to an earthly religion because they, they drifted from and was not strengthened by the truth of Christ. And because of this, they, their lives were unstable. And they were easily led away by false teaching and and they began to be be living and, and, and be sustained by false teaching. That's what our text is going to tell us. Look at verse number nine. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, 
not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. Notice verse nine. He starts out saying, do not be led away. Do not be led led away. Remember the context. The context, uh, verse eight, talking about Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This means the truth about Christ never changes. So when the writer of Hebrews says, do not be led away, he is saying, do not be led away from the unchanging Jesus Christ. In a sense, he's saying, stop a lot because it's already taking place. Stop allowing yourself to be carried away or misled. Like being caught in a riptide. If you ever gone to the beach and you got caught in a, in a riptide, it can pull you away from uh, the, the bank and it can pull you out and you can begin to drift and drift away. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous to be caught in a riptide, but you might not even know. It. You can be drifting and not even know that you're drifting. You're drifting away to danger. These believers are slowly and unknowingly and dangerously being carried along by diverse teaching. Diverse means varied, all sorts of teaching. These believers were falling for a variety of teachings that were contrary to what their leaders believed concerning Jesus Christ, what they were taught by their leaders. They were falling for these variety of teachings. And the writer adds, and strange. Do not be led away by diverse and or varied or strange teachings, foreign teachings. And the, the BDAC Theological Dictionary uh, defines strange as this, coming from outside the community. Strange. These, these teachings, these variety of teachings, they're strange to the, to, to the Christian faith. They're strange. And when you compare them to what we are taught in Christ, there's no, they doesn't, there's no connection. There, there is no connection to the person and work of Christ and, and to these teachings. They're, they're strange. These, it, they're new. They're new doctrines. They're, they're, they're new. They're, they're new teachings. Uh, they appeal to, to, to the mind, but they weren't in agreement with living a life of faith in the person of Jesus Christ, faith in him alone. It didn't appeal to that. Uh, the, the, the appeal was, was to the flesh. And this is what false teaching does. It could be a good teaching. It could be a good teaching that we look to and look for benefit to ourselves rather than glorifying Jesus Christ, who is the reason why we're blessed. The, the flesh is always seeking an opportunity to glorify itself. 
And this is why people easily give themselves over to false teaching, easily give themselves to legalism, easily give themselves over to doing works in their own strength. Because that's what the flesh wants. The flesh wants glory. It always, our flesh is always striving to take advantage of us, even when we're doing good things. Even when you're doing something that is good, that is commanded in scripture, your flesh in that moment, it is there and it strives to take advantage of you. Paul says this in Romans chapter seven, verse 21. He said it like this of himself. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. We have no right to boast in anything or seek any kind of glory in anything we do because we still have evil in us, in our flesh. And I love all the songs that we sung today. They all pointed to Jesus Christ. We sung the songs, but the songs were about Jesus Christ. It was about him and his glory. Thank you, Kurt, for the songs that you chose today. Because, because this is the solution. Christ himself and his work on the cross is the solution to pride. It is the solution to us trying to, in some kind of way, wiggle glory from God to ourselves. Christ is the solution. This is what Paul goes on and says in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. It says in verse 23, who shall deliver me from this wretched man that I am? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. It may seem like, oh, you just, you're just, you're just plucking at just, you, 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 you're just being, Dealing with something that is my, this is major. Being led away from Christ should be our greatest concern. Being led away from Christ to ourselves should be our greatest concern. And even for the Apostle Paul, we're talking about false teaching. That was always his concern. And the, and, 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 and the false teaching and also the things that cause us to stumble in the Christian life don't come from out there. They come from within the church. They come from people within the church. People who are looking to glory in their flesh. Paul talked about that to, with the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30. He said, from among you will come those who seek to make disciples after themselves. They will come in and ravage the flock. 
Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. He says, avoid them. He says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, he says, for I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven to preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. He adds in verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? This is another temptation. To please man. He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Church leaders are to combat false teaching by teaching and preaching the saints. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. They are to teach and to to, to shepherd and to pastor, the, the, the shepherding, to be shepherding, uh, teaching uh, pastors of the flock so that the flock would not be tossed to and fro whenever the winds come and blow. This is the work of leaders in the church to ground the congregation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because there are those who may sound good. What they're saying may be accepted by others. They, they could present it with, with impressive speech. They could flatter. They can be sincere in what they say. But you must examine. You must examine what you're embracing with the truth of Christ and his atoning work on the cross. Notice the writer references his warning, his warning in the middle of verse nine. Notice what he says. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened 
by grace. Be strengthened here is contrasted with being led away by false teaching. Being led away by false teaching uh, is 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 evidence that a that a person is unstable. But the writer says, if you're strengthened by grace, he said it is good. It is beneficial. It is beneficial for the heart, the heart that is the hub of of all that you are and all that you do uh, in your life. It, it is the intercept. He said it is good, beneficial for the heart the hub of who you are to be strengthened, to be strengthened, to be established, to be immovable spiritually by grace. And what is grace? Grace is expressed in God's gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Be strengthened by grace, be strengthened by Christ and who he is and what he has done. Be strengthened alone by Christ. Don't seek strength in what you do. Seek strength in Christ. Feed upon the truth of Christ, for this is the best defense against drifting and being given over to false teaching. Turn with me to 2 Peter. Turn to, turn to 2 Peter. Chapter 2. We'll see the importance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to keep our souls steady and stable. Second Peter chapter two. Start reading that verse number one. But false teachers also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive hair. Uh, uh, heresy, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not sleep. Look down at verse number 14. Their eyes are full of adultery. Insatiable for sin. And, and, uh, they, they, and notice what he says. They entice unsteady souls. Unstable souls. They have their hearts trained in greed. Accursed children. And so, so what is Peter's solution? What is Peter's solution, solution to strengthening the soul? Turn back to chapter one of second Peter. Chapter one of second Peter. Look at verse number two. 
may grace the outworking of God's good will toward us in Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied. How? How is it that God's grace and his peace be multiplied in our hearts to strengthen our hearts? Be, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in this is the sphere in which God's grace and peace is multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. His word knowledge is important to the apostle Peter. He repeats this word, this phrase again, this knowledge, the necessity of the knowledge in verse three. His divine power, he says, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own excellence and glory. This is not a mystical knowledge. This is objective truth about Jesus Christ. Objective truth that is found in scripture about Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 8. For if these qualities, he goes through and gives these qualities that we're to build into our lives through the knowledge of, of, of knowing Christ. Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. How? In what you do? You see that? No. In what you know. That would, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can have knowledge and be unfruitful in the way you live your lives. If you do not connect it with all that you do. And Peter starts this epistle with the knowledge, the necessity of the knowledge of Christ. And he ends this epistle with the, 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 the exhortation to know Christ. Let's turn to chapter 3, verse 18. The last verse in 2 Peter. But grow in grace, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And he ends it with amen. 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 
Turn back to Hebrews. Listen to, listen to John Calvin. Are being carried away by strange doctrine. Listen to John Calvin. John Calvin says this quote: "For how come, for how comes uh, it that we are carried about with so many strange doctrines? But because the excellence of Christ is not perceived by us." For Christ alone makes all other things suddenly vanish. Hence, there is nothing that Satan, uh, Satan so much endeavors to, in, to accomplish as to bring a mist. <laughs> uh, he says to bring, to, to bring on mist with the view of obscuring Christ. Because he knows that by this means, the way is opened up for every kind of falsehood. This is, he says, this therefore is the only means of retaining as well as restoring pure doctrine. To place Christ before the view such as he is with all his blessings that his excellence may be truly perceived. Raising up Christ and all that he is is the remedy from drifting. When we perceive Christ, in our hearts, not with our minds only, but with our hearts, we'll be strengthened, we'll be steady. Listen to R.C. Sproul as he quotes John Owen, who quote, who comments, quote, a constant clinging to the truth about the person and work of Christ will stop us from listening to various strange teachings that damage our souls, end quote. Notice the rest of verse 9. He says, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. What, what good will foods do for your soul? Uh, what good will observing certain eating patterns do for your soul. Evidently, there were false teachings that promised these believers, uh, believers that if they devoted their lives to eating certain foods or to observing certain religious feasts, that this would somehow make them more spiritual. This would make them more sanctified. If you just do this, you would be more spiritual. You would be more sanctified. Paul dealt with similar uh, teachings in Romans chapter 14, verse 7. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He adds in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, for, he says, food will not 
commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do eat and no better off if we do. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Paul says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Rules about food uh, do not have any spirit, spiritual benefit. The spiritual benefit that we have as believers is come, it comes to us from our faith feeding on Christ. This is where our benefit comes from. This is where our strength as believers, the strength to, to endure when trials come into our lives. It comes, our strength comes by feeding on Christ. And then everything in our lives will be ordered in a way that glorifies Jesus Christ. Notice what the writer says in verse 10. He says, we have an altar. What, what altar is he talking about? It's Jesus has become for us the altar or the sacrifice that we can partake of. That, that we can partake of through faith. And this is the, 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 the priests of old. They, they couldn't do this. But we, by, by, by faith and, and, and looking to, to what is taught to us in the scriptures concerning Christ, we can feed off of, we can feed and nourish our souls with that truth of who Christ is and what he has accomplished. The writer says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent, talking about the priest the and, the, and the tabernacle, they have no right to eat. Under the old covenant, the temple priests were permitted to take some of the some of the sacrifices as food for themselves. But on the day of atonement, the priests could not eat the animal sacrifices that were offered on the day of atonement. The, these these sacri the sacrifices that were offered on the day of atonement was special sacrifice for sins of all the people. Look, look at verse number 11. And he's and why is he giving us all? He's pointing to Christ. And the doctrine of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Because what, what Christ accomplished by his death on the cross was was what the day of atonement was a shadow of. It pointed forward to what Christ would do. Look at verse 11 for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin or burn outside of the camp. Remember on the day of atonement, it was only the high priest who could go in and he had to offer a sacrifice for himself and he offered a sacrifice for the, for the people. And the, the animal sacrifice that, that, that was sacrificed for the sins of the people were taken outside of the camp, out into the wilderness to be burned. To, to be outside of the camp was to be rejected and condemned by God. Animal sacrifices were, were put outside as a picture of God's judgment on sin. 
They were put outside of the camp. Look at verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate. In a similar way, Jesus was crucified outside of the city walls of Jerusalem. The cross on which Jesus bled and died to cover the sins of his people was located outside of Jerusalem. All of which the Day of Atonement pointed to. It pointed to what Christ would accomplish for us. It's a historical fact. This is something we can read about in the Gospels. We can go and pick up and read the Gospels and read about the fact that Jesus was crucified outside of Jerusalem. And the writer is saying, that truth, that knowledge, that knowing about the work of Christ can strengthen your heart. It's amazing how people don't want to know. They don't want to know Christ. They don't want to. They don't want to have their mind set upon what Christ has done. But the writer is pointing to the Old Testament and he's pointing to the truths that are revealed in the gospel concerning the work, the nature of the work of Christ. Jesus suffered outside of the gate. This is a historical fact. This is what we can read in the Gospels. On the cross, he was rejected. Just like that, the, the animals that were put outside. Outside of the city. Or outside of the camp. Jesus, on the cross, was rejected. He said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He was rejected. Just like those animals, that animal sacrifice that was put outside the camp. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46. He was condemned by God. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh we see this on the cross we can read about it in the gospels we can meditate upon it we can re remember that that the, the the writer of hebrews has already made the 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 admonition he has already exhorted these believers to consider Christ who endures suffering at the hands of evil men. Meditate upon Christ. Feed upon Christ. Jesus was judged for our sins. Isaiah 53, verses 5 through 6, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crude, uh, uh, crushed for our iniquities. This is the knowledge of Christ. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, 
We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity, the bent that we have in our lives to sin. God has laid that upon Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How can you not be amazed by what God has done in Christ? How it is that the knowledge of what God has done in Christ evades our thinking when we go to work, when we deal with our children, when we relate with our wives. How it is that the knowledge of Jesus Christ and him crucified evade our thinking. How much do, does God love you in Christ? He gave his son. And because Jesus Christ loved us so and given his life, as we read about uh, in, in, the, in, in the Gospels, shouldn't we love one another? Because of what Christ has done? Why did Christ give himself up outside of the camp? In order, the writer goes on, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. We are set apart for God through what Christ has done on the cross. There's nothing we need to do to be uh, more pleasing to God outside of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because it is his blood, the blood that Christ shed, his own blood that, that sanctifies us. And, and, and notice what he said. Jesus, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate. Outside the gate. Outside of the camp outside of the organized religion of Judaism. It was outside of all of that that Jesus sanctified his people with his blood. Hebrews 10 and 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Christ accomplished outside of the camp Outside of all the ceremonies, outside of all the observa uh, observations, the, uh, people observing this and that, outside of all of that, outside of the camp, Christ sanctified us by shedding his blood. Outside of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, where the temple was, where the people, where the priests were serving God every day. Where the, the people of God went to offer up sacrifices to God. Outside of Jerusalem, Christ gave up his life for you so that you don't have to go and do all of those things to please God. To go and to do works in your own strength to please God. 
Right, it says in verse 13, therefore let us go outside of the camp. <laughs> let's go outside of the camp to Christ. Believers are to leave the camp behind. What sustains our faith happen outside of the camp? Let us follow Jesus outside of the camp. Let us separate ourselves from the world and live for him. Richard Phillips noted this. He says, quote, outside of the gate, he suffered and died. In that separation, a principle is established for all who would come to God through him. Outside the camp is where we go to find the grace of God. For that is where the cross was raised, where God meets us, meet with us to forgive our sins and to accept us in the righteousness of the son whom the world despised, end quote. He says, therefore, let us go outside. Let us go to him, to a person. Let us go to him, Christ, outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. If we're united with Christ, we must face the same disgrace he endured as he was led outside the camp to be crucified. And it's amazing as you think about that as Jesus was being led away with the, the cross on his back, as he was being led away, he was passing the very people who had cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, oh, they were praising him. And it was the very same people, the religious people, who cried, crucify him. This happens even in the church. The very people. That's why you shouldn't give yourself over to, to, to men. Because one day the people that will be praising you will be the very same people who will be coming against you. We already know that the world will come against us. John 15, verses 8 through 9, Jesus says, The world hates you. Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. But it's a tragedy when those who are in the body of Christ began to turn on one another and bite and devour one another. Verse 10 would be heavenly minded. I mean, verse 14, excuse me. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Jerusalem, at this time, we're still standing. Jerusalem, at this time, the, the, the altars and the, the sacrifices 
It's still there, still, still being offered. But the writer says that, that, that this was it was a temporal city. It was a city that is it, a city that didn't we know what happened to Jerusalem. It was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. It wasn't a lasting city. But we see, so why go back and try to live under the old covenant? The right, he's making this point. Why turn away from Christ and go back? You should have nothing to do with Jerusalem and its religion. The, the city that we see is a heavenly city. Remember, he's already talked about this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Talking about the heavenly city. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior. We await a person. It's about a person, a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says, if you did if, you, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Continually seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above that are uh, on, on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died in your life. Your life is hidden where? With Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So the author of Hebrews is teaching us to anchor, root, build our hearts upon the truth of who Jesus Christ is so that we won't be tossed around by false teaching, by the latest and greatest, by even our own flesh. Let us seek Christ every day. Seek him and, and build the foundation of our lives upon him alone. Jesus told his, told uh, the people to include his disciples, he said that you need to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. What was he saying? Was that literally? No. He was saying you need to live upon the knowledge of who I am and what I'm going to do. That I'm going to shed my blood for you. This is this is this is how you're this is where you're going to find the spiritual food that you need, the spiritual drink that you need as you uh, uh, think upon, meditate upon, trust in, rely upon, depend upon me and my sacrifice. So I want to ask you, where are you finding strength? Are you trying to find strength in something or someone other than Jesus Christ? Is this reality being reflected in the way that you live your life where the things of God are not important to you anymore? Where 
prayer and fellowship and worship and communion. When these things began to wane in their their uh, in, in 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 their luster, and, and as, as they become less important, that means that Christ, you're drifting away from Christ in your life. This is of the utmost importance for us as believers that we live by faith in Christ alone. Not only faith that saves us, faith in Christ that saves us, but faith in Christ that sustains us every day. For me to live is Christ, Paul said. This was his thought. This was the the anthem of his life. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why is it to gain? Because I'll be with Christ. His life was all about Christ. And I and I want to ask you, examine your conversation. Examine your thoughts and behavior. Is it about Christ? Is everything that you do, is it is it rooted in what you know about Jesus Christ? It's just that simple. Let us pray. Father, as those who are reformed in the faith, we know very well, we know the doctrine of Christ. We know the sufficiency of Christ. We know what Christ has done for us upon the cross. We are well acquainted with these truths. But it's often in the way that we live our lives that expose that these truths have very little impact upon the way we live our lives. And the, 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 just the slightest wind of difficulty and trouble, when it began to blow in our lives, we are unstable, we're unsteady, we can begin to grumble and complain, we can begin to, to focus more upon ourselves and our felt needs, more than Jesus Christ. And this exposes our, our deficiency. We're bent to serving ourselves. We're bent to, to focusing upon gaining for our own benefit rather than living for the glory of Jesus Christ. So Father, as it is revealed in, in our daily activity, how little we are influenced and swayed by the knowledge of Christ. Help us, please, Father, help us to grow, to grow and be strengthened 
in our knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we'll be fruitful in every good work that you call us to do, that we'll be fruitful and walk in a manner that is worthy of Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. For we want to please him. We, we desire to please him in everything. So help us to do that. And help us to be willing to acknowledge the reality that we are always tempted to go away from Christ and to focus upon ourselves. Thank you, Father, for he, the, the, this, this letter to the Hebrew believers. Thank you for your word concerning Jesus Christ. And may we be those who it, it is said of by the watching world, they know something different. They know, they, they know something, and I want to know it. And may we have the courage to say, no, it's not what we know. It's who we know. We know Christ. And he is the one who has made the difference in the way I live my life. And you need to come to know him. Help us to do this for the sake of him. We pray. Amen.